What's up, everyone? You are listening to another episode of the Alaskan Grappler Podcast. I am your host, Dennis Ackman. I'd like to apologize for the long delay. I originally recorded this podcast on March 28th, but my podcast mic died on me, so I was unable to record a quality intro and ending. But I have a new one now, so we are good to go. For this particular episode, I am not your host, however. Your host will be none other than my little brother, Dylan Ackman. We took the time to sit down and do a roles reversal where Dylan interviewed me. He figured that not many people out there who listen to the podcast really know anything about me or my past with the sport of wrestling, so what better opportunity than to do a podcast about it? Also, because of all the coronavirus mandates and whatnot at the time this was recorded, we did the first ever remote podcast for the Alaskan Grappler. In this episode, we talk about my past with wrestling, how and why I got started, why I love the sport. We talk about when I broke my arm in the finals at the John Tobin Invitational. We talk about why and how I started the Alaskan Grappler, my favorite moments, and so much more. Before I kick on that audio, don't forget to find the Alaskan Grappler on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube. I did a highlight video for Team Alaska Wrestling recently that's on YouTube channel, so check that out as well. All my podcasts can be found on alaskangrappler.com, Spotify, or YouTube. But without further delay, here's that audio from my interview with my little brother. All right, so I'm sitting here with my little brother. We're on Skype call right now. We're testing this out because this is something I hope to use in the future to interview other people that are not able to sit down with me in person, which are the best interviews but, you know, the state obviously is, is pretty large. I don't have that ability to do that all the time. I want to interview people that don't live in Fairbanks. That just happens to be where I live. So it's obviously easier and who are who most of my guests have been from Fairbanks or the areas or I've, I've gotten a hold of them at tournaments and things like that. But that's also just difficult. So if I can go this route in the future, I'll be able to interview a lot more people from long distance. So I'm sitting here with my little brother. We are actually going to do a roles reversal. This was his idea to ask me some questions and interview me instead of me doing the one that always interviews just because a lot of people don't know about me or who I am or anything about me. So we thought this might be a good way to kind of just uh, give people a little bit of my story. So before I actually like kind of like hand the reins over to Dylan to go ahead and do the interview or however, whatever he has set up. Let's, uh, let's talk briefly about the coronavirus. It's what's going on in the world right now. And, uh, my last guest I had on here was Jared Miller's a couple weeks ago and we talked about it and things have escalated exponentially since then. So I just kind of wanted to take, take the time to see, you know, what your opinion is on it, how you feel, how it's affected you. Well, one thing that's crazy to me from a wrestling standpoint is that, Last weekend would have been the NCAA Wrestling Championships, which I've watched every single year since I was about 10 years old, I think, so 15 or more years, and I usually always watch it with you, or when you were in Las Vegas, we would watch it, you know, and text and kind of talk to each other on the phone throughout, and um, yeah, man, it's just crazy. The, the one thing I was going to tell you, actually, that I don't know if you know this, because I didn't know this, it was going to be at U.S. Bank Stadium this year, which is where the Vikings play. So not only is that cool for me as a huge Vikings fan, because it would have been in Minnesota, but typically the NCAA championship is in like uh, basketball arenas, but the Viking stadium holds like 75, 80,000 people. So it could have been really crazy this year. So that's a bummer that it got canceled, but you know, it it is what it is. And it it was the right move for sure. But uh, personally for me, The strangest thing for me is uh, I'm in my final semester at college. I'm getting my bachelor's degree in May, and everything's been moved to online. And uh, fortunately for me, four of my classes were already online. But it's just crazy, man. The the, uh, graduation ceremonies canceled and all you know, I'm sure you everybody knows the the classes that were in person are now virtual. And it's just a weird time, man. But you know, it is what it is. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, same thing. And for the most part, it's just such a crazy time to live in. And it's just really sad, obviously. And, and it sucks that the people that have had to deal with it had to have to and the measures that we have to take and whatnot. It's just it's just nuts. You know, I, I saw a picture the other day on Facebook of some friends of mine and it was uh, these parents and it was their grandkids and they were having a picnic but they were doing a social distance picnic so the kids were in the back of like a pickup truck and they were parked like maybe 15 feet away and the grandparents were on the 
sitting in the tailgate of their pickup truck like 15 feet away and they were like eating lunch together and someone posted on the post they were like cute and i thought in my head i'm like cute yeah sure but also like insanely sad to me and then uh, my daughter loves playing with her cousins and the other day my wife went over there and just had to drop something off and my little one was waving to them from their window out of the window of our truck it was also like really cute but at the same time it just like broke my heart because she really wanted to play with them and they wanted to play with her and just like seeing that i'm like yeah it's cute that she's like that excited to see them from a distance or whatever and she's like hi and like waving and then but for me i'm like man that's so sad and we're just doing you know taking the necessary precautions better safe than sorry type thing as much as possible right now as far as my personal life it really hasn't affected me myself personally i mean i'm lucky enough to be a stay-at-home dad so i don't really have to go anywhere a whole lot uh, my wife is a dentist her practice has been shut down by the law uh except for emergencies so uh, we just been getting to spend a lot more time together which is cool and uh she's pregnant and stuff so it's better for her to you know, probably just take the time and just take care of yourself and us just be home. But uh, as far as major sports and uh, the economy and worldwide and nationwide, it's just, man, even though we are supposedly not have seen the worst of things yet, as far as the virus goes, it's not just what it's going to be doing to people's health, but the economy, housing market, stock market, I mean, you name it, the effects. And if you aren't being personally affected right now or don't think you are, you will be it's in some way shape or form you will be affected by this everybody will be it's just 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 nuts you know speaking on the economy i'm a, a business student and i'm in the investment fund class up at the university and it was in february that i decided to unload a lot of my savings into the market so i've been having i've been seeing those kind of struggles with the stock market myself and, you know, I should have mentioned, too, uh, another thing is I, I like to come over to your place and see my niece usually once or twice a week. So that's that's also been kind of a bummer. But, you know, it is what it is. Good thing we yeah. have Facebook right, and Skype nowadays. That's true. Yeah. Technology is a hell of a thing. So we're able to at least see each other and, and talk and whatnot. So we still got yeah. that it's better than yeah. nothing. All right. Well, now that we're done talking about the coronavirus and getting that, you know, negativity or whatever you want to call it, the depressing stuff out of the way, let's uh, let's jump right into the interview. I don't have any clue what you have in mind as far as what you're going to talk about or what you're going to ask. So that being said, I'll, I'll kind of just turn this over to you. Here is your host of the Alaskan Grappler podcast, Dylan Ackman. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I'm your host. And man, you know, yeah. I, I'm going to know the answer to a lot of these questions that I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to ask them as if I'm a stranger to you, you know, to try to get the best answers for your guests. And then some of these questions that I've laid out, I've never talked to you about. So it's going to be fun to learn a little bit, you know, while I do this. And like you mentioned earlier, you're, you are the Alaskan Grappler. It's your website and you're doing all these podcasts. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening who really don't know much about you. So this will be cool for those interested in, you know, diving a little more into Dennis Ackman's mind. So the first thing I'm going to ask is what made you get into wrestling and why do you love it so much? And when did you get in as well? Okay. Our older brother, Kareen, wrestled back in the day. He wrestled for Lathrop, just like we both did. He graduated in 97. I graduated in 06. You graduated in 2012. So pretty big, big age gap between all three of us. I remember going to some of his dual meets when I was little. I honestly don't remember going to many tournaments, but I remember going to dual meets. And those things, you know, this is kind of already a segue story. Those things used to be crazy. Lathrop versus whoever, don't really recall, but the stands would be packed full of people. Parents, their families staff, friends of the wrestlers, students that went to the school, and uh, the stands would be insanely packed. And I remember being there little and, you know, anytime someone did anything good, in particular to get someone on their back, they would just be rumbling in the bleachers with their feet, stomping them up and down, right? And then a lot of the parents of the wrestlers had these cowbells and they were just going off, ding, 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 when anybody would get on their back and then it'd be a pin or whatever. And then the crowd, I mean, it was like, you know, for me, maybe it was different because I was little and it just seemed so much more just bigger and larger and louder than it actually was. I don't know, but it was crazy. So he he wrestled and he's 
the reason that I at least got into it back in the day. Seventh grade rolls around and I go to Tana Middle School and they had a wrestling program and I get in that and I'm uh, in there with my best friend Jake Halden and me and him are a weight class apart and we go through seventh grade and eighth grade and then we go into high school and uh, he, he kind of stopped doing it for whatever reason and I, I just kept going. So that's why I got into it was because our older brother, I stayed in it because of my friends and then I was, I got hooked on it for whatever reason. And then, you know, I enjoyed wrestling and I enjoyed competing. And then you got to an age where you wanted to do freestyle or you wanted to get into it, which, you know, kind of motivated me to continue, like grew a different passion for me. I I was six years old when I started, which means you were in sixth grade. So by the time I, you were in seventh grade, we were kind of going, you know, about the same, the same rate. Like, like my, I guess for sure. about yeah. it. But my second year in wrestling was kind of like your second year in wrestling. And- yeah, for sure. So when I went, I mean, not a lot of people ask me when I started actually wrestling, but if someone asked me like you just did, I normally would say like seventh grade is when I really start, like really started. Cause I kind of just messed with it here and there. And it just was like, eh, I don't really, this is whatever. Did I answer all the parts of those questions? I think so. But uh, I said also, why do you love it so much? And you said you don't know. So I, well, I, was- I, I know why I love it so What's much. That That's just, what separates wrestling from other sports? Like what, what's, uh, what makes you like, why is wrestling? Cause it's your, I would say it's your favorite sport, correct? Yeah, for sure. Why, what is it about wrestling? You know, so obviously, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot of success wrestling, not because of lack of talent or anything, more so lack of trying. I found my social life to be far more important than my actual wrestling life think that I I learned a lot about myself through a lot of triumph, a lot of defeat, a lot of things that I wish I could have done better, you know, that I, I worked on and then things that I, that I wish I would have done better that I wish came, you know, that I was hoping would come the easy way maybe that I didn't really take the time or effort to try to get better on. And I just, I owe so much of my life to wrestling and my mindset, you know, I had a passion for competing and then I really, you know, watching you grow up and doing good and being a part of that, it gave me a different kind of passion for it because I really enjoyed watching you achieve success. And then I became an official for a while and that was a totally different aspect of the game. And I enjoyed doing that for a while. And then, yeah, man, I just, I owe so much of my life to wrestling. I don't want to get off complete off topic, but like everything. I I met my wife at a wrestling meet when I was hurt as a freshman in high school. And we, that's when I always tell people that I like, I officially like met her and kind of started talking to her. And it was because of being at the wrestling meet when I was hurt. And then, you know, the rest with that is history. No, that's a good answer, man. So you talked a little bit about your performance in high school. You, you said that you, you say you were nothing special. I think that those were your words, but you know, I in high school, I, I know in every year you wrestled, if I'm not mistaken, you, you were ranked in the top four at some point. And so, I mean, I feel like you were a pretty good wrestler. And I know this from wrestling you myself. When I was a senior, you were like the, the toughest match I could get in the room was against you. But when you were a sophomore, you broke your arm. So I guess let's just talk a little bit about that. You broke your arm. What happened and how did that affect your wrestling career after that? Um, I, I don't know how it affected my wrestling career. Mine is just being able like, you know, I missed the rest of that season that year and I, it bummed me out. You know, you think that it would have lit a little bit of fire under my ass to come back the next year and really get in there and get after it. And for whatever reason, it didn't. So I was at the John Tobin Invitational out in North Pole. And then I wrestled uh, Max Rose Figuera from West Anchorage in the semifinals and I beat him. Don't remember the score. Uh, I mean, it was it was a relatively close match, not like over time or I think I maybe be in my three or four or something like that. And uh, he was a freshman. I was a sophomore. And then I wrestled Dwayne Carpenter from Wasilla in the finals. And, you know, they do the one mat thing out there in the spotlight and whatnot and uh, wrestling Dwayne Carpenter. And then in the first period, he goes to throw me in the head and arm, but I slip out, get the two takedown. He gets a reversal, I believe, and then I get an escape. And I go up 3-2, heading into the second period, and I chose down. I I don't know if it was deferred or if I just got to choose down. I can't remember. Uh, He loads up on the left. My initial thought in my mind was the first move I'm going to do off the whistle is a changeover. It's a move we do at Lathrop, and you do it to try to get the guy on the other side to go from there, just kind of see what he reaction is. So as I go to do a changeover, I 
basically post my right arm on the mat, my right hand on the mat. And at the same time, when the whistle blew, he jumped from the left side over to the right side. Well, when I posted my arm, his knee comes around and hits my arm and it collapses it basically like forward in a sense. And I mean, it, it snapped and you could hear it on the camera and, and in the gym since there's only one mat. It sounded insanely loud. It sounded basically like you grabbing a dead stick out of the woods and snapping it, you know, insanely loud. It hurt like pretty bad. I didn't know what it was broken exactly for sure right away, but I knew something was wrong. He knew too. He got off me immediately. Uh, my mom freaked out. She ran out there. Uh, my coach came out there and uh, they told me just to lay there for a little bit. They ended up, I mean, it was almost a compound fracture, which means that the bone almost came out of the skin. I went to the hospital that night and I got an x-ray and I don't know what they were looking at, but they told my mom that it was a hairline fracture, which means it was barely broken. So they wrapped it up in an ace bandages, like tons, so I immobilized. And uh, I went home that night, and then my coach came over the next day, and he was watching some of the film and gave me my medal and all that. And then uh, we went in for a doctor's appointment. Couldn't get in until Tuesday. And the guy, uh, Dr. Tamai was his name. He was like pretty upset. He's like, I should have been called in for emergency surgery. And then the next day I had to go in and get surgery on my arm. I had to get a metal plate and a bunch of screws put in there. They're still in there today. And I got put in a cast that was up past my elbow that was basically keeping my arm at like a 90 degree angle. And it was like that for six weeks. And then after that, I had to come out of that and go into a different cast that I was allowed to at least remove to take a shower and things like that. But if it wasn't for uh, showering, I was supposed to keep it on as well. And it was just to change my, to stop my arm from doing certain motions. And I was in that for another six weeks and then came out of that and funny story is though after i got that cast my coach tom ritchie he's uh looking at the x-ray and he's it's not that bad and you know we'll just wrap that up you'll be fine to wrestle i'm thinking how in the hell am i gonna make weight wearing a cast that is insanely heavy i can't work out really because this thing's gonna get disgusting how am i gonna get in a referee's position how am i even gonna shoot on somebody or do anything if we wrap this thing up i can't bend my elbow i don't know if he was just being optimistic or he didn't know it was as bad as it was or if that's just like the old school mentality of him being like yeah no big deal but i just remember being like holy shit and then that was it yeah that ended my season and you know like i said i don't know if it affected me going forward in a negative or a positive it did not give me motivation to want to come in and next year and be like, you know what? I left something out there and I need to go back and get it. And I, I just didn't, I don't know. You know, funny story for your fans out there or your listeners. I should fans. say, yeah, I meant fans of your, of your podcast, not your personal fans. I, when you have that metal plate in, in your arm. And I remember when you had your old, uh, I believe it was your Chevy trailblazer was your vehicle back in the day. And you, uh, I remember I had a to-go coffee mug in your car, and this happened more than once, but I remember you put your forearm down where the metal plate was right on top of the mug, and you, you're like, oh, man, that's, what the heck, man? Like, wh why do you need to have your coffee boiling hot? And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And I put my hand on it, and it's not hot at all. And it was something with the way the metal plate with the top of that mug. Yeah, it was the, the metal plate with whatever your mug was made out of and maybe how it was sitting in my car or something. The, it was like almost like a conductor of electricity. I don't even think it was hot. I think that's almost what it was. It was like a shock, yeah, it but it shocking. was like a hot shock. And then I was like, oh my God. And then you did that and I touched with my hand. I was like, oh, you're right. And I put my arm back on it. I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> it's still hot or something is still going on. Another thing, just one last thing on your high school wrestling my question is, so you were a, a good wrestler, but why didn't you wrestle freestyle or try to wrestle out of state or go to camps? Like, why were you not interested in doing that? So I kind of touched base on it briefly earlier. For me, I just felt like my social life was far more important to me. Um, it was like one of those things where I always wanted to do good, but I just didn't want to put forth like the extra time and effort. I just didn't. I didn't find it that valuable. And even now, you know, it's always easy to say that I wish I could go back and do it over again, or I wish I could change that, or I wish I would have done something different. And in regards to like my results, I guess I wish that they would have been better. I would have put more time in to have better results. But I'm also a firm believer of like, I'm one of those people that think that like everything happens for a reason. 
And I'm glad that it turned out the way it is that it did because it made me who I am today, which made me, you know, possibly help you to a certain extent. And like I said, I mean, just the life I have, I, I feel like that kind of all led to where I'm at now. Uh, you know, after eighth grade, I actually, I did go to a, a wrestling camp in Glen Allen. They had some Iowa uh, wrestlers there, Gabe McMahon, um, who graduated, and he went to Glen Allen and Palmer. I went to that camp with a bunch of studs. Um, I can't, you know, I, I honestly can't remember a whole lot of them. Darren Pestrikoff was there. Alex McMahon, Gabe, uh, Gabe McMahon's little brother, went to that camp. Uh, David Weiss went to that camp. I actually rode down with him and rode back with him. A um, bunch of other people went down to that camp, and that was before my freshman year in high school. And then after that, I just, man, I don't know. My my summer was just too bad. I, I still did, you know, because you were in there. I still kind of tried to do a little freestyle here and there. It just wasn't the same. I, I just was – I honestly think that I just didn't do the best job in high school as far as, like, cutting weight and, and practicing and stuff. You know, I tried to cut corners and do things easy. And I recognized that. I just didn't do anything about it for whatever reason. And so when it came to freestyle, I was like, man, I mean, I could just be spending this time with my buddies or my girlfriend or doing whatever. Like, I'd rather just be helping you. I don't want to actually put time, the the for, like put forth the effort and time. And then, you know, also the fact I talk about my social life, none of my really good friends, even today, like the people that I consider my best friends besides you and, you know, and our older brother, none of them wrestled. So that was also kind of like a discouraging factor, you know, and then my best friend growing up, Jake Halden, he wrestled a teeny bit our freshman year and then he stopped. So that's a good point because I never really thought about that. And I don't know if it would have affected me because I would consider myself probably less social than you, but both of my best friends in high school wrestled Alex and Tommy Gillen. Tommy Gillen was way more into it than Alex, but they both were there. So well, then you really- had Jimmy while you were going through freestyle, yeah. you know, you guys became best yeah. friends through, you know, meeting through the sport and yeah. we there together the whole time in Austin tennis. Yeah. But for me, I just, I didn't have anyone in there for me. No, none of my really good friends did freestyle and none of my really good friends really actually wrestled at Lathrop. The, the people that graduated in my class they were friends of mine for sure in high school and stuff, but we weren't, we didn't really hang out like at all outside of, uh, of wrestling. It was just, that's just how it was. You know, I had my core group of friends that I kind of grew up with and went to elementary school with, and they played hockey and, and, uh, soccer and things like that. And I, I played soccer or whatever growing up, but you know, I, I didn't, that might've been a, a, a reason why I didn't want to. I just never did. just never cared. And then I always, I know it also sounds dumb, but I also always thought it was kind of weird. Maybe it was just because I didn't grow up doing it, but I always thought it was weird that, you know, he, now I'm supposed to go to freestyle with a bunch of people that wrestle on other teams in the town who I've never been like a social wrestler as far as like hanging out. I always looked at that other team or those other people across the the gym or across the mat and that's all the enemy. So don't come talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't smile at me. We're not friends. I'm here to kick your ass and my team's here to kick your ass and I'm not hanging out after this. And I know some people that are around wrestling all all year round, they go down in the States and I see it now, you know, being a coach and I have nothing against it. It was just, that was just not me as a person. I just never went and talked to anybody, even people that I wrestled sometimes that were friendly, that would come up and like talk to me and keep it real short. Cause I'm just like, leave me alone. So yeah, I mean, I know. I always felt, I might, I I probably got that from you, but I was the same way. Like I remember when, uh, when I was in school, I'd always look out there and I would see you remember like it would be like right after weigh-ins when teams are warming up there'd be like a bunch of the stud wrestlers in the state they'd be in like the center of the mats all talking and even though I knew some of those guys from camps and whatnot I it used to drive me nuts because I'm like yo we're about to go at it with these guys like we're gonna go chit chat with them before we wrestle like nah so I, yeah. I, I'm with you on that man so I'm not making any excuse or anything like that, but that, you know, that could definitely be, you know, there's a, a bunch of contributing factors. I just think the the main thing is that I just, you know, wasn't really willing to put in the extra time and effort to try to get better. I just kind of expected or hoped that would happen during my actual season without having to put in extra, extra work. When you and me did our podcast, I didn't get this question because we only had 10 questions because we had the 10 hot wings. And yeah. uh, I, I heard you asking a lot of people what their pre-match routine was. And the other day I was I was walking my dog and I was thinking, what was my pre-match routine? And I, I was thinking through it and I was thinking, man, I actually had a pretty intense mental 
pre-match routine. And I've never, I don't believe I've ever shared it with anybody that I know of. So I thought maybe this would be a good place to throw that out there. You know, I don't know how many young wrestlers listen to this, but you know, maybe it could help them out or just interesting if anything, nonetheless. So my pre-match routine would be, so I would, I would usually like to try to gauge it out probably about the same as you, maybe five or six matches, maybe, you know, a nice 15, 20 minutes, hopefully to get loose. And I've kind of just start moving around, getting loose, you know, stretching out, kind of kicking my feet out, getting my body loose. And then, but I had a, a serious, intense mental ritual that I would go through. So I would go in and I would start, I used to get really, really, really nervous before matches. Even I could be wrestling Joe Blow, like freshman that I know that I, I could pin and I would still get extremely nervous for whatever reason. And the better the wrestler is, the more nervous I would get. So what I would do, I would start my routine by hyping myself up in my head. And I would run through and I would think about it and I would go like, I would say things like, all right, who, so who's got, who, who's put in the work that I have? Like who's put in the training I have? Like this guy I'm wrestling, has he been wrestling since he was six years old? Did his older brother teach him all the high school moves when he was, you know, before he was 10 years old? And I would think like, does, is he being put through Wes Bockert's practices of absolute pain and hell? And I would say, is he wrestling with the same people as me? Does he have the same practice partners as me? Is he going through hell every single day in the wrestling room? Does he have a guy like Dennis, my older brother in his coach, or in his corner as his coach that knows everything about him, that has been there with him since day one? And so I would hype myself up. And then by the end of this, I would be thinking like, yeah, no way this guy can beat me. I just got to go out and execute and there's no way in hell this guy can beat me. And then, so then at once I got myself in this state of mind where I was feeling confident, then what I would start doing is I would start running through scenarios in my head rapidly. I would be thinking like, all right, so we're going to start on our feet. I'm going to be moving. I'm going to be moving, circling left, circling right, hitting his head, fighting hands, and then go, you know, get the arm drag, go for the double, tap the head, go for the double. He steps too far with the left leg, I go for the low-level single. Steps too far with the other leg, I go for the low-level single on the other leg. And then if I was on bottom, I'd be thinking the same thing. Off the whistle, stand up. If he returns me to the mat, switch. If the switch doesn't work, I go for the Granby roll. If that doesn't work, I go to the changeover. So I would I basically just envision chain wrestling in my head over and over. And I would literally run through every possible scenario and then, meanwhile, I'd be warming up. I'd be pacing back and forth, stretching out, doing some shadow wrestling. And so I'd get a nice sweat going, and then I'd run through every scenario so that once I stepped on the mat, I felt that not only did I do the preparation and practice, but I did the mental preparation. I ran through every scenario, and I got myself hyped up. And I, I knew that once I stepped on the mat, I didn't need to think because I already did it all. And that was my routine for literally every single match. And I, I, yeah, I just don't think I've ever shared that before. So I thought I would kind of throw that story out there. Yeah, that's a solid, solid routine, obviously. Worked for you. <laughs> but anyway, back to you. So, um, you know, just to kind of wrap up your career, I wanted to know, are there any tips that you wish you could tell your younger self? Like if you could go back in time, what would you say? Like, listen, man, like these are the things <laughs> that you should do. And, I, and, and maybe that'll help our, young, you know, if there's any younger listeners, maybe that'll help them to know what not to do. Well, the main thing, you know, uh, obviously putting in extra time and work on the off season, I think is very important. But if I could go back and give myself any type of advice in particular for me, it would be advice on how to and the need to cut weight a lot better and more efficient. I was really bad at it. Not bad at cutting weight. I was good at doing that. <laughs> I just did it when I didn't need to. I ate too much trash. I not the the best diet. You know, I, I went in and still ran. I ran every morning at six o'clock in the morning at Lathrop High School during our uh, season. My dad would take me in and drop me off before I had my own vehicle and could drive. And he did that for, for my first two years. And then I went in and, and even with having an extra run in the morning before school started, I still just did not do a very good job of managing my diet. So my diet in particular, and just the way I cut weight was just absolutely horrible. And I think that I know that took a big toll on me a lot of times for certain tournaments, for certain matches, 
you know, I, I didn't win uh, regionals my senior year. I lost to a guy that I beat earlier in the year, Eric Montoya from North Pole. I'm not taking anything away from him. He was he was a good wrestler. But the night before regionals, I was cutting weight again. And I just, you know, I had like no energy that day at all for regionals my senior year. To- horrible. There were multiple times where we had trips in Anchorage where I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning, check my weight and running in the parking lot outside the hotel next door to try to cut some weight because I was over or was worried that I was going to be over. So that'd be my only piece of advice in particular. If I give myself one piece of advice, be how to be better, be smarter about cutting weight. That's a good point. And I'm glad you brought that up because you know, I don't know if it makes you feel any better, but that's something that I learned from you. So, I, you know, I cut quite a bit of weight in high school myself, but I, I saw how much hell you put yourself through. And I, I, it made me realize, like, get the weight down early in the week and don't have to struggle like this. You kind of touched on this a little bit, but who were your biggest influencers in wrestling along the way, whether it be coaches or siblings or practice partners? Do you have any one or two three people that influence you the most whether it be your wrestling career or just like your passion for wrestling in general well i mean there's there's two people in particular that come to mind you know uh tom ritchie senior who was my head coach throughout my high school career and he was my officiate at my wedding and he's a great family friend and um i love that guy to death he was the second biggest influence in my life for wrestling just because he knew what I could offer and he knew when I wasn't giving it my all and he knew when there was more to give and things like that. And he did a very good job of motivating me. Um, clearly not good enough because <laughs> I didn't, uh, didn't, didn't do nearly what I could have, but you know, in in a different aspect, I think that the my biggest influence was you, in a sense, because I wanted to help you do things that I did terribly. I wanted to help you not to make the same mistakes that I did throughout wrestling, and it, things like that in general made me grow a lot as a person and as a brother and as a coach. That's where I really actually you know got my love for coaching was coaching you. And watching you achieve success. And it wasn't anything about like, you know, patting myself on the back, knowing that like I helped you get to that point or whatever, you know, but just seeing the time and and effort that you invested in the sport and what you gone through and then me being there with you along the way and helping you when you achieve success, I felt like I achieved success in my own mind. You know, you're the one who's getting the brackets and the medals and the accolades and all that. And that is fantastic. I couldn't be happier, but in the back of my mind for me, those were like my biggest victories, like hell yeah. And, and not even just you. I'm t- now, you know, I've, I've been coaching now over at Lather for like seven, eight years, something like that. And it, that's what I take pride in the most, watching kids that I see on the mat and that I've been a part of their lives in some, even if it's just the most, the smallest way, seeing them achieve success, like that's, you know, what influences and motivates me the most. So I'd say that you were my biggest influence because, I was obviously, you know, vested in you more than I am now, even with these other kids, just because you're my little brother, you know, so. Okay, so I guess I'll jump on into the next question. What made you decide to want to start the Alaskan Grappler website? Well, you know this, as uh, some other people do, but so back in the day, there wasn't a lot of ways or any ways really to get wrestling results when I was in high school. Uh, a lot of times they were printed in the newspaper if you were if it was like a local thing. I don't even know if they still do that to be honest. I I mean minus an article, but I mean they used to actually like post under like the the score boxes or whatever, dual results and things like that. So there wasn't really a way to get results back then and then Tom Shelley created a website called AK Matt or, or someone created a website called AK Matt. And originally, I don't know the full history of all this, right? But it started out as just like a forum site for people to go on there and talk about wrestling. And then it turned into a thing where Tom Shelley made it into a lot more where he would get, I don't know how, he, like people would email him the results, PDF formats or uh, scan documents or whatever. And he would upload them and put links on them. So you could go, you know, I want to go to the old 708 season and click on the, 
Bob Bailey tournament and see, and then boom, there's the brackets and the team scores and you can see all that stuff. And I used to always be kind of like a nerd, a results nerd when it came to stuff like that, seeing who won tournaments and who did what and blah, blah, blah. And then he had the rankings on there, which was like cool, even though nothing official, it's just something cool for the kids to go on there and look at and be like, Oh man, I'm ranked third or fourth or second or whatever, sixth. I made the rankings finally or whatever. Right. And it was just like a really cool thing. And then social media became a lot more prevalent with Facebook and whatever, and, and people stopped getting on there as much, but people really use that forum a lot to talk about. They would, you know, put on there, their, who they thought was going to win the state. And he'd have co- like contests. He, he even had some hats made for the uh, AK Matt wrestler of the week, which you, you got one time and even had the AK Matt wrestler of the year and the coach of the year. And he gave out all kinds of things like that. And it, I mean, he really went off with it and it was cool. His kids were in school and he, and he obviously had a passion for doing that kind of thing and providing that he even went as far as uh, recording state finals. You have your freshman year state finals matches on YouTube. He put all that on there, he had some people announcing as it was going on and then put the content up later. Now you can do things like live stream through Facebook or they, you know, Asa now has a thing that you have to pay for. So you can do that. You know, he, he had to stop doing that towards the end of the time he ran AK Matt. Long story here is that so towards his end of time in AK Matt, he put on the forum, which I still checked occasionally, and he put on there's, you know, is anybody willing to take over AK Matt? I, you know, I don't have time for it. I got a lot going on personally, and I just can't keep up with it. And I reached out to him through AK Matt and just said, hey, you know, I'd be interested. And I wasn't interested in actually like running the site. I was more so interested in I'll continue to pay whatever it costs, not knowing how much it costs, uh, as long as it was reasonable. I'd be willing to pay for the site to stay up. So people can at least view the old records and results and things like that. Because now, as of like 2012 or something like that, you could find everything on track wrestling. You have to go through a bunch of links and stuff like that. But before, you couldn't find anything prior. So I was like, I, you know, I'll just pay just to have the forum kept up and all this other stuff so people can still have a way to come look at all this stuff. And I never heard back. And I was actually living in Las Vegas at the time. And then I I tried, I kept trying to get a hold of him. I got a hold of a couple other people. Joe Hughes, a kid that you won state title with at Lathrop. He was coaching at, at Lathrop. And I, I was in contact with him. And he was going to try to get in touch with Tom Shelley for me at a tournament. Trying to like, you know, see him and, and say, hey, you know, you need to get a hold of Dennis Ackman. Here's his email. There's his phone number, blah, blah, blah. And he, he's, you know, either never saw him or I just never heard from him. And then eventually I reached out to... I think it was Tom Ritchie Jr. I can't remember who I reached out to, to be 100% honest, but Tom Shelley finally got back to me through email. And this was years later. So this is actually just a couple of years since I've been running the Alaskan Grappler for just a couple uh, years now. And he said, you know, originally I was trying to get it to an actual like association, like to see if Asa wanted to buy it or not even buy it or like run it or whatever. But no one ever got back to me. You know, if you still wanted to do it, I can give you all the stuff from my website, but I don't suggest you taking over my website. I had a lot of problems with security over the years of people stealing emails and phone numbers and things like that, or trying to at least. He's like, I highly suggest you start your own and you have a a company or whatever, a, a internet site host your site because they can provide security and they can provide a lot of things that, you know, I wasn't able to do. And I talked to Wes Barker and he said that this website sports engine is who runs his team Alaska website. I reached out to them, told them what I was trying to do, what I wanted to do. i essentially wanted to take AK Matt of old and make it an AK Matt of new. And I had to change the name obviously, because this was no longer going to be AK Matt. It's, it's nothing personal against Tom Shelley, but that was his thing. This is my thing. I was talking to Wes, me and him are really good friends, coached together. You know, I consider him one of my best friends. And we kind of came up, we were like thinking of some things. And uh, he's actually the one who suggested, what about the Alaskan Grappler? Sounds kind of like a newspaper, right? And I was like, ah, I actually really like it, you know, Alaskan Grappler. And then uh, I bought the domain and I reached out to Sports Engine. They told me, yeah, you could do everything that you want to do, you can do. And, and I wanted to bring everything AK Matt had, the forum, the results, the records, all that stuff. But I also wanted to have my own flair on it. For example, this podcast, you know, and, and in time, some other things I'd like to do. The problem is... And this is an insanely long answer, but I think all this stuff is kind of necessary with the question. I have all the results from the past that he gave me from his website. 
The problem is putting them on my website. The internet language, so to speak, doesn't ver- doesn't talk very well together. A lot of his stuff is in HTML, and I can't just upload it onto my website. I have to go through bracket by bracket and essentially take a screenshot of it and upload it, which is why it's taken me so long to backdate results. So if I go and see the 2004 state tournament for big schools, I have to go and screenshot 103. 112, 119, all, you know, 14 weight classes. And if the bracket isn't a full bracket, right, and the and the winner's bracket and loser's bracket are separated, well, now I have to do it twice. So now I have to do 28 screenshots, and then I have to go to my website and create a link for it and do all this, and then upload, and I can't upload all 24 at once, I have to go one at a time, because that's just how it works, because they're photos, they're not actually files, uh, or like documents. So that is one thing why it's taken me so long to get some of these results out there. And some of them also just don't read well from their website, from his old website and and the format in which he gave them to me. And then another thing is, you know, and if you haven't noticed, I have never done any of this before. I do not have any sort of degree or any training in web design or anything like that at all. I have no degree or anything like that or any training in communications. The podcast thing, I've just learned and try to figure it out as I go. And same thing with the website, my podcast and things like that. And the technology that I've used, I've, you know, I've done a lot of research on and figured out what works for me while being, well, not costing a lot of money or if anything, if possible, but you know, that's kind of that. And then the only reason I even charge people to use my website, it's 12 bucks a, a year, which comes out to a dollar a month. It, uh, it costs, a lot more than I thought to run the website. It's like sports engine charges me. I think it's like 70 bucks a month just to host the site. I have to pay another $15 a month for the forum, which apparently like no one even uses, which I have a theory behind that from people using Facebook and Instagram and email a lot more these days to talk about tournaments and stuff. It's kind of what the forum used to be for. So that cost me 15 bucks a month that there's a site that hosts the podcast for me to be able to put it up and do all that. That's a certain other fee. I've had just some other fees and things like that. So, I mean, it it costs me like a little bit and it's all out of pocket. You know, there's definitely, I I don't know how many users there are right now in this given time, but it's not enough. It still isn't enough to cover everything that I put into it year round. And I'm not trying to, you know, I didn't start the site to make any money or anything like that. The only reason I charge people is so I don't have to pay every single, you know, if if I can get enough people to pay a dollar a month, which I feel isn't like a whole lot, then I won't have to pay any money out of my pocket or a lot. And what I would like to do if, if ever, but no one ever reaches out to me, which is fine. But if I could have my ideal thing would be to have 12 businesses, essentially, maybe statewide or whatever, write a, basically like a sponsorship check or, or an advertising check, you could call it or whatever to the Alaskan Grappler, I could put their logo and some things on, on the website, and they could sponsor a month or two or three or a year, which would which would be a lot, but you know, a, a co- sponsor a couple months here and there. And then if I can find enough companies or businesses to do that, then I can make the site free for anybody and everybody to use. The only problem with that is I do this on the side for fun and because I enjoy it and have a certain passion for wrestling. I don't get paid to do this. So it's kind of like when I have some free time and I feel like I want to work on my website, I don't have the time to go out and reach out to 12 businesses and see if anybody would want to donate or whatever or sponsor or advertise on the site i guess i should say so everything i've done has just kind of been on my own time here and there when i get an opportunity and do things so it's just a very very long process for me to get all these old results all the new results new content podcasts podcasts that i do and record with somebody they get to do the fun part in the interview and just sit down once typical podcast the one I did with Kobe Ames, which is one that's going to come out before this one. That one was, uh, I think me and him talked for about 25 minutes. The process of getting that up and on my website is going to be about three hours for me, plus the time I sat down with him because I have to listen back through. I have to edit it. I have to upload it. I have to edit it again and a bunch of other things like that. So I just gave you an insanely long answer for everything, but 
I think it was all kind of actually important. You know, there's still a lot more I'd like to do with the website. I'd like to do other things that he had, like the wrestler of the year and the wrestler of the week. And maybe, you know, Wes has been, he's sent me some different designs and things like that, that I'd like to get, you know, some t-shirts or hats made and give them to people that come on the podcast. Or if I gave out an award, like wrestler of the week, give them a shirt that you can only get from my website, only from me based on you coming on or doing some extravagant things throughout your wrestling career that year or that season or whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of things, but you know, it took AK Matt a while to kind of get to where it was in its final, you know, in its peak. And and for me, a lot of it's getting the word out there and getting people to use it and appreciate what I do. And I've, I've had nothing but, you know, positive comments and people saying that they really appreciate everything I'm doing and whatnot, but I just still gonna just keep going and doing it as, as I'm, as long as I'm having fun. Good answer, man. Sorry. I mean, that was insanely long. No, it was all good stuff though. You used to ref quite a bit when I was in high school and before that. What made you get into refing? What did you like about it? And how can other kids today or even adults get into refing? Because you know, as well as I do, we could use some more refs and some better refs. I got into refing when I was, after I graduated high school that very year, I ran into a guy named Bill Duffield who used to run the refing association here in Fairbanks. And he just said, hey man, you should ref. And I was thinking like, yeah, all right, buddy. And then I thought about it a little more. I'm like, yeah, sure. What do I got to lose? It's middle school. It's kind of what he was mainly talking about to start. Got into it, took my test with all the refs, started refing. And it, it was relatively easy. You know, I, I knew a lot about the sport from being a wrestler and whatnot. So I, I did high school with other refs as an assistant until I, you know, kind of just got fed to the wolves in a sense. I was the, the youngest ref when I joined. There was no other young refs. And then the very next year, I got my good buddy Zach Gonzalez into it, who still refs minus this last season. And um, when then we were refing a bunch together and did a lot of middle school stuff. And what I liked about it, I guess, is I learned a lot as a ref on what can make me a better coach, on what to coach things on to certain kids. Like, hey, you know, I know I was a ref. We look for this. We look for that. We do this. We do that. So, you know, it, it helped me a lot in my coaching game of what to tell people to look for and whatever. And it helped me a lot when I went up to argue calls because I knew what I was talking about. So that's what I liked. And the way that you can get into it now is you should know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, if that makes sense. I don't know if there's an actual, like, you know, there's no websites or anything like that that you can go to. Actually, I think if you go to the OSO website, there's a place on there where you can put a request in and then they'll reach out to like the, your local association. Someone will get in contact with you. But like if someone wanted to ref now and they asked me about it, I would reach out to Bruce Merritt or a couple other people that I know in town that are refs and say, Hey, I got this person. And then I'd send them on the way. If anybody is interested in refing in any level at all, uh, you should reach out to me on Alaskan Grapplers Facebook or uh, Alaskan Grappler at gmail.com. Email me. I'll, I'll figure out the people to get in contact with you and, and for who you need to t- contact to uh, ref at any level. It could be middle school, high school. If, if you're interested, it's, it's a good way to make some side money and stuff like that for sure and, and a better knowledge of the sport. Reach out to me if you're interested. So my next question is, do you have a favorite moment or a favorite match as a wrestler or as a <laughs> Or do you have maybe a few few of them that stand out for you? I have a lot of moments and and matches for sure, but I'll I'll list off a couple matches in particular that have been my favorite, and none of them are which of me competing at all in any shape or form. And we'll kind of work our way backwards. One of my favorite matches happened just this last year. It was, um, or moments, I guess, actually, it was Roberto Lechuga winning the the state championship at 112 pounds. I can't even remember what he was seated fourth or something like that. And he might've been fifth. Yeah. I don't know. He wasn't seated as high as I thought he should have been. I had him in my rankings at like two or something like that. But either way, I seen that kid. He just started as a freshman. He was a junior. He had a really tough weight class this year. He, you know, just seeing the joy on his face and he actually was, you know, in, in tears of joy for what he accomplished and seeing that I couldn't have been happier for that kid. Another one, was last year watching Jeremy Bocker beat Adam Conception. He was undefeated that year. Jeremy also lost to him in the finals the year before, but he also came off of having uh, had toe surgery and he missed most of the season. And seeing him overcome that 
And then to see him win a state title over the kid that was undefeated that beat him last year, you know, and then seeing like just the happiness in his dad's face and his brother's face who were sitting right next to me and just seeing like that moment for that family. If I could have taken like a picture somehow with my eyes or like a video of the moment, it would movie type stuff. Just so happy for all of those guys and for him in particular, that was, that was just fantastic to see. Another favorite moment I've had, and I've talked about it on the podcast, was when Tommy Gillen won in the uh, quarterfinals over a kid named Matt Downing, right? Not Adam? Yes, Matt. Matt Matt Downing from East Anchorage, who was in the state finals the year before, and then he ended up forfeiting out of the tournament after Tommy beat him. If you want to hear the story, I'm not going to get into it. Just go back and and listen to the Chicken Wing Challenge with all the coaches on there. And it was one of the later questions when we were on wing like seven, eight or nine or something like that. That story is one of my favorite as a coach. And then two moments or two matches in particular from when you wrestled that were my favorite. Winning your senior year, your third state title, because it, it came a lot harder than we expected, at least in the finals. You know, you thrashed that kid throughout the year and uh, it ended up going into overtime. And uh, every time you wrestle, it's like super, super nervous. And then it didn't really help that, you know, that made me extra nervous watching you after it, you know, went into overtime. And I'm thinking like, what the hell is going on? Like we smashed this kid earlier on. Like what, what is happening? And then we got the win and, and that was fantastic. And then I think seeing you win your freshman year state finals match, because that was, and I know you mentioned it as being one of your favorite matches, but that was like, you know, it's something that a lot of kids like look to be a state champion in high school and then doing it as a freshman and against a really good kid in Abe Fox. And you had to overcome some adversity and stuff that year as well. It was, you know, those, those two, at least for you and your, in your career were two of my favorite moments. So yeah, those, those four Roberto or those five, you know, and there's a, there's a ton more for real. I mean, there, there's a lot that stand out in my mind, but those five in particular off the top of my head, Roberto, Jeremy, Tommy Gillen, and the two that I mentioned of yours were uh, just stick out in my mind the most. Good answer, man. It's tough to narrow it down, but I think you came up with, with a few good choices there. All right, man. Well, that's all I have as far as questions go. So unless you have anything to add, we'll end it there. I just want to say to you, thanks for letting me do this. It was honestly really fun. And I feel like it's important for people that listen to your show or your podcast to get to know you a little bit, you know, because it's nice to know the host and kind of know a little bit about this guy when you hear him talking. So I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time to interview me and, you know, not that I need or wanted to get my story out there necessarily, but for people to actually kind of like know a little bit about me and listen to my podcast going in future, into the future in the past and be able to kind of understand like, you know, where I come from or what I've gone through or whatever, you know, kind of cool. So. Well, that does it for this episode of the Alaskan Grappler podcast. I would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to it. I would also like to thank Dylan for taking the time to sit down and interview me. It was a nice change for once. I had to cut a lot of the audio out so the podcast wasn't too long because me and Dylan can sit and talk wrestling for endless amounts of time. Now that I have a fully functioning mic again, I'll be setting up more podcasts in the near future. So be on the lookout for the next episode of the Alaskan Grappler podcast.